All right, welcome back to the debrief. I know it's been a while, unfortunately, is uh, we've kind of been busy, All right. been in North welcome America for some obvious reasons. I know it's been a while. Uh, so it is definitely uh, good to be back here now that we've got a lot to talk about. None of it during the actual Pro League season, of course, as that was over, but we had two lands, a whole bunch of changes, DLC release, all kinds of good stuff for episode 11 here. How, Helby, how, how you been? I mean, how have you been? You've been busy. <laughs> a little bit busy, You've yeah. been busy. Back That's, in, uh, back yeah. At least, though, so back in my home turf for two lands. Probably be a while before we see another NA land, though, unfortunately. I think the last uh, podcast was probably around a month ago. That's how busy you've been. Yeah, it's, it was a action-packed month, for sure. It was. And uh, action-packed start coming here soon, although, unfortunately, a week delay. So. Yeah, uh, I mean, for, I think for, it's for the best. I've played the game maybe for a day, and there's a lot of annoying bug uh i think the, yeah. the one that's triggering me the most is probably the reload bug if that's the main tilting. one they're kind of uh saying is is the main reason for the uh delay but there's so many other unfortunate uh game breaking bugs at the moment what what's interesting though is that a lot of these bugs seem like older bugs kind of come back like yeah. the, the thermite breach rubber banding <laughs> um just some of the grenade issues that have come up. All kind, like there's a lot of stuff happening. Spectator glitches as well. It, it, it's like they they took an old version of the game and patched on that one. It's yeah. probably what happened, to be honest. I I think well, as someone who's done a lot of game dev, trying to merge branches of code mm -hmm. when you're working on multiple versions, oh, yeah, yeah. it's super hard and it is easy to regress. And I thought they'd been doing a lot of groundwork to stop regressing back the old stuff, especially after Operation Health. But uh, maybe not. It'd be kind of funny if it was just like one thing that triggered all of these problems, just yeah. one you know misplaced piece of code. But I mean, it's like when oh. uh, we saw the problems with the the one land build where they didn't test on sub thirty ms for testing, and then because yeah. of that, uh, was because it, the I, land was faster. I think it was Poland in May. Yeah, it was year. it was a Poland land. Yeah, that was but the one was I was just... there, and we we were pretty much just bug testing before like yeah. the actual land. There was no practice going on. It was just hey guys, uh, so the game is. Not really working. Can you bug test for us? Thanks. That's pretty that much how that. Like, yeah. That's, yeah. That's one how bad it was. So many issues, and I feel like this is kind of a similar thing where we're seeing like a ton of issues. I mean, to be honest, like they are still scattered. Like you're not going to run into every issue every time. It's very like I don't know. I mean, not random, obviously, but it seems like it's not super consistent. Also, unfortunately, we're running into a lot of hackers right now as well. On so, PC, yeah. Well, the DLC itself is fantastic in a lot of ways. Unfortunately, this release has been a little rocky despite all the TTS time that I guess didn't seem to help with that. Not sure why. The, I mean, the bugs are not game-breaking for the casual player, but in the competitive environment, it's just hell. I mean, you're in a clutch situation, you're trying to reload, and what you need to do is actually reload, go go through the full animation, and then wait an extra second just to get your bullets back. Most of the time, you're so used to it, uh, as soon as you hear like the, the clip going in the gun, that's my cue, and I'm like, okay, the gun is back on full uh, magazine, full well, ammo. But right now, it's not the case, and I find myself like getting in a gunfight with two bullets, and i all right, well, I guess I got fucked over. And that's going to happen in Pro League, and you can lose game because of that. Yeah. So... Delaying was obviously a smart idea. I'm, I'm not sure mm -hmm. what all they'll be able to fix before we start. Given they have only a week, there's definitely a lot of things that probably need to get fixed. Unfortunately, there's no, I mean, it's unrealistic unless they're all caused by one particular thing. It's most likely we're only going to be able to fix some of them before. I imagine the reload bug is a high priority, but I know it's been hard to replicate. So like a lot of the pro league players are having to kind of uh, provide as much info as they can to help. 
like Hermes out just, every time. There, there's a couple guns that are more um, prone to getting that glitch. Um, as far as I could like understand the glitch. So anyway, yeah. I think Thermite has like a big bug on it. A couple of others, but it's not. Eh, yeah, it's just you know things that come back to haunt us. I guess because this was fixed a long time ago. Yeah, there's uh so hopefully at least the game will be in a decent state. Otherwise, it's going to be a rehost party uh, for the. Uh, you got a bug, please. I want it. Yeah. <laughs> on the on the upside, the the positive side of that is some of the changes made to both Pro League and to the game itself will help with rehosting. Yeah. The first one is that there's tons of rehost related features now in a custom game, so you can set what the previous rounds were, set up the scores, set up all kinds of stuff to prepare it for rehost, which is. Unfortunately, the rehosts that get further and further into a match, the harder it's going to be to accurately replicate those every time. So hopefully we don't have rehosts for rehosts. But yeah. uh, there's that. And then there's also the fact that we're only doing a best of one. So we don't have multiple maps uh, for each team. And also that uh, there's no overtime. Because overtime was obviously a, a problem with rehosts. Well, because if you did any rehosts, then all of a sudden you couldn't handle overtime properly. Although that wouldn't necessarily be the case with all the other stuff I just mentioned as well anyways. Uh I, I've I've messed around with the um, custom games a bit, and there's a there's a lot of things you can like mess around to get back to exactly where you were. Uh, I think you can like ban people against you. You don't have to go through the whole thing. You can pretty much start a game mid game with the same score. Yeah. The, people ban the site locked and all that stuff. It's amazing, and that's yeah, probably so something that came because of Operation Health that we are only seeing right now. That makes a lot of sense, and it's definitely something that I know uh, rehosts are a, a bit of a struggle for viewers and stuff like that, as well as for us casters in mm -hmm. production. So I think that was a nice quality of life. It still still blows my mind that we that we got that before second spectator back, but yeah. you know priorities, I guess. I I mean already spectator is already a bit of a difficult thing in this game, so I it imagine is. it was just they're just trying to make sure that it's going to be accurate if we do too. I know there are some spectator related glitches as well. Chances are most of those probably won't end up ironed out before we get into the season just because They're the other game higher priority game-breaking ones. Yeah. Like there's this weird double gun one that kind of shows up where people have two guns or there's floating <laughs> objects. I don't, I don't know. One. So be prepared for that when Pro League starts that there might be some visual issues that you might see. Like, you know, similar to the ones where you see people's ADSing like right in front of their face, like the gun covering the screen. You know, small things like that. Not game-breaking spectator glitches or anything, but you will most likely see a few issues coming in, unfortunately. And, I mean, the spectator on online game, I don't mind it so much being only on one uh, perspective, but, I mean, at um, Atlantic City, it was amazing. I think everyone had, like, a spectator following them, and then they yeah, could do, we had, we had... like, on-the-run replay. That was perfect. We actually good. had Talon back there helping with that, uh, helping set up the, the different first-person perspectives and stuff so they could switch to that. So it's kind of funny to see a pro league player behind the scenes of production. So shout out to Talon for doing that. <laughs> but I mean, as a spectator, that was amazing. And the only other thing I'd like for them to do is, you know, keep all that. That's amazing. But just also record the game from a top-down view and just like follow what's going on and release that as like a separate video, not casted, not anything. And I'm pretty sure people will use that to, you know, get creative and talk about Pro League and just, you know, explain strategy. It's easier that way when you have a top down view so you can like write on it and just, it, it needs to happen. Cause I mean, we don't have demos. So that, that's the only like short term solution that I can see. 
that's what I do when I record scrims for people too, is I will just, uh, I mean, I might joke cast it, but basically I'll record it all from top down so they can get an idea of the strategy. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, there's no way to record all the floors at the same time no. on top down. So you'll always run into that issue with this game. That's something that is not so much an issue with something, say like Counter-Strike, which doesn't have the same level of verticality in terms of like, you can't shoot through a floor or, or there's not really a lot of hatches to drop kind of things. Yeah, It's not as much issue for other games, but for this game, it, it would be hard to find an optimal solution to kind of record everything other than demo files. So we'll get to that point though, but at least we had some progress on Linux. Unfortunately, DreamHack was a bit of a smaller production because yeah. it's well not dedicated to Siege. So we did not have that. Hopefully though, for uh, imagine Paris Major, we'll probably have something like that or better. And then for uh, Rio as well, as we are planning to do a lot better production, I think this time for Brazil. So overall, it should, should be better from here. <laughs> that PowerPoint presentation was, uh, yeah, you know. yeah. Day two was fairly decent, though. You got to admit, like, yeah. day one was just where everything bad came Oh, yeah, yeah. Once, yeah, yeah, so. for sure, for sure. But uh, going back through the lands here, we have a lot to talk about with all the different stuff going on. So first off, going all the way back to Atlantic City land, and uh, which was the season seven land finals, we had uh, some interesting stuff happen, uh, starting with some, some subs, unfortunately, that had to come out. So first off, Geo, unfortunately, could not make it once again. For, for, Once again, uh, yeah. He's, he's unfortunately missed four out of five lands, but he's he's working on it. And so they had Shuttle step up as CLG had pretty much fallen apart and as the sub. And he showed up. And then speaking of subs showing up, Penta had to bring in Kanto due to Shate kind of unfortunately stepping down. Kanto. And Kanto, oh, man, he oh, man. showed up hard. He played exceedingly well. That was amazing. It's always I mean, fun he, when your he, sub shows up better than your main roster, right? He had the fire in him to just, you know, he wanted to play, wanted to be there, and he, like, showed everyone. If I remember yeah. correctly, at some point against, was it Liquid on Bank? He was, like, 10 kill, zero death. It was just, Yeah, he's you know, easily dropping double digits most times. He was uh, killing. Maps. He was killing. Yeah. It was interesting, too, because he was playing off-meta operators. Like, yeah. he was playing, like, uh, Comfort Sledge Pick. and Dokerby. Yeah, he was playing what he wanted to play and playing it well. I mean, obviously he played two operators that have really good SMGs for entry yeah. as well. Like, and that's just for attack. But he's playing Doc on defense sometimes too. Is this very, like I said, very off meta, but he, playing what he wanted to play absolutely worked. And aggressively it, too. Yeah. I think it was just a case of, uh, so for example, a Rogue mentioned that the reason they used Ranger for DreamHack Austin instead of Shuttle was the difficulty in trying to embed a new player into the roster that fast. Whereas I feel like Penta took a different strategy and said, you know what, let's let's not try and fit him into everything we do. Let's not try and mold him with, you know, six days or whatever to get him in there. Let's just let him do his thing. We'll kind of work around we'll work him. Around we'll it, do yeah. our thing. Yeah, and it That's worked. It like, obviously. That's what it felt. Uh, and it worked. I mean, yeah, the, these guys, they, they played together for a long time now. They, they, like, they know each other. They know what to do. They're professional. So just playing around Kento was probably a smart choice. Because Kento was also a smart player and an experienced one, so he, he's going to be able to adjust to Penta, but he doesn't have to worry about trying to play the position of um, Chate. He was just playing, like, you know, how he likes to play, and he knew his team was going to be behind him and ready to help, and he was also there for them. It must have been interesting as well, because much like Chate and Yunus before him, he had to switch to using English because he couldn't just yeah. use Finnish like he had previously. So that must have also been another struggle in terms of communication, like making sure that he was able to communicate in English fine. I don't know how Kanto's English is. Chate's is not the greatest, unfortunately, um, but he does okay. And I know they'd had trouble with KS's English as well previously. So being the, you know, the other mixed team besides I don't know has made 
Spurs have interesting in terms of trying to deal with, uh, especially the Finnish players. Obviously, Eunice has managed to work his way in just fine, so they can do it. But like, I, I, I like the way that they worked that. But ultimately, at the end of the day, despite Penta's good performance, they actually still didn't win, which was the second land in a row that they've managed to. Uh, well, no, am I thinking in a row? No, because there was a six invitational. So I guess yeah. you skip invitational, the second finals in a row mm-hmm. that they had lost because they lost in uh, Brazil as well. They did. And I was kind of, I'm not going to lie, I thought Liquid was going to get destroyed by oh, yeah, we all especially, thought they were. especially with like the season they had on br6 and yeah especially uh, that. just the season in general it was looking sloppy and not good and just uncoordinated and unorganized but then they they showed up big time it was amazing i was glad yeah. i was wrong on that one absolutely i mean i ran into uh to zig and a couple of the other guys um early on before the land had started um and I was talking to Zig and he was like, we, we changed up what we're doing, which is, and we've talked about this during the event as well, but I wanted to reiterate because I thought it was interesting, was that they said, you know, they realized they were kind of overtraining previously in, in a lot of these LAN events mm-hmm. and it was really kind of hurting them. And so they just decided, you know what, like we are just going to play for fun. We're still going to train. We're still going to make sure that we are prepared. But when it comes to the actual event, we're just going to have fun. You know, we're going to have, you know, some beers and not sit here and scrim all day and practice during the event. We're just going to play what we know how to play. We're going to have fun with it and just enjoy the game. And I mean, obviously that's not like a guarantee of their success. That's not what caused their success, but it certainly helped them play, I think, to their individual and team strengths at the same time without getting overly tilted. And I think you could see that in the way they played very, very flexibly, something that it seemed like Penta struggled with a little bit more outside of Kanto. Definitely. And I mean, seeing... Brazilian usually have this tendency of not being able to adapt mid-round, which was not the case with Liquid on this final game. They they did just well. They just shut down Penta at some point. They were just you know winning. That's all they were. That's all there was. They were winning. They were not tilting. They stayed in their game, and they just made it happen. And I'm glad uh, a- not APAC, but uh, Latam finally got their win because it's about time Latam won. Yeah, now all the regions except for APAC have won. Unfortunately, Fnatic had a really bad showing. It seemed oh, yeah. like they got very tilted and very much beat themselves. But Norango had a good performance. It was a bit surprising. I mean, some of that was similar to what we saw with Disrupt, I think, versus EG later on in terms of playing Maybe, yeah. very different and them not being prepared because North American teams, you know, are prepared for a certain meta. And I feel like they get can, can get pretty surprised when stuff is very, very off meta. And it seemed like, for example, they, I mean, the, the example that we liked to highlight was the uh, the supernova shotgun from Havana <laughs> yeah. opening the, the soft wall in the bathroom of consulate. There was, I mean, that was just one example of them playing very very differently. But also was is down to players like Waka just absolutely showing up. Waka. There was some other good players as well, but Waka especially the highlight. It was, I was blown away when I was seeing him play. It was just incredible. The dude was out there to get blood. He was out there yeah. to get blood, and he got it. Yeah, yes. so it was, I I hope he gets a, the play of the was it the play of the month or something from I uh, think so yeah I heard thing. It, I uh, hope he gets it because that was insane. Yeah, that was insane, and I'm I'm glad uh, Nora Ringo. Um, you know when they first qualified, people were like, yeah, they're, they're not going to be that great. It's going to be, you know, they're going to get stomped. It was not the case. They they still lost, but I, I think they showed up more than uh, most people thought they would. More than unfortunately, Fnatic did. And... Yeah. And it was it was definitely no cakewalk for uh, for Rogue, which I thought was interesting because I mean, let's be honest, everyone expected that to be an easy two out. 
like that was going to be the easiest one of the and they just they didn't actually win with that much of a lead i mean no Rogue really struggled i mean to be fair they had a they had a sub but much like with kanto that sub was performing and so it was definitely not down to that however uh i do think you know having the sub also kind of throws off the chemistry a little bit in oh, the case sure. that, that they took a different approach i think than penta did and i think that backfired a little bit which is why you know them uh, them playing with ranger i think worked out a little bit better in some respects uh at dreamhack austin but it was still it's still a bit of a struggle to go into it with that you know a situation where you have all these strats and you're prepared and then you just get kind of surprised and then you have a new guy on the team too who's not as comfortable with you playing and i think that was a big factor as well it's not that he was playing bad it's that he was just that's one less uh, person that they know really well that they can rely on yeah. to adapt to Norengu playing very different than they're used to. And I mean, sometimes you, when your team chemistry gets so good to the point where you, you instinctively know your teammate is going to be behind you or on the side ready to react to what you're going to do without even saying anything. And then when you switch someone, sometimes it doesn't happen and mess up the whole chemistry. And it can be tilting sometimes because you, you, you know potential of the team you had because of like the player you, you was playing for you and now it's not the case and you need to like take a step back rework that bit and just you know kind of not start over but start from a little bit earlier than where you thought you were you were before the roster change yeah, and it's I'm unfortunate but they still perform well i mean oh yeah i was not expecting rogue to go that far um especially with a sub like that well, at least, I mean, at least they, they won their first match. It definitely was not yeah. a huge embarrassment. No. And obviously, Ranger is going to be pointing out all the stuff that they did wrong and making sure they don't do that again. But it was, uh, it was also interesting to see, like, uh, Liquid winning. with They, they actually had some, some interesting uh, quirks to how they had to, how they to play, too, because Sexy Kick had food poisoning uh, from some pizza, I guess, oh, which uh, surprised because he showed up really, really well. Yeah. Despite no food poisoning. But some interesting things to the way they played it was you saw Sexy Kick, for example, playing um, a lot of Blitz throughout the, the tournament. And so when it came down to the final matches versus Penta, you expected to see constant Blitz from him again, which he was being you know fairly effective at. And all of a sudden, he just dropped Blitz. I think he played it maybe once or twice out of the entire finals against Penta. And that was such... It was I don't know how they decided to make that call with their two coaches that they had because they had a Sensei, Sensei plus yeah. uh, Silence. Mm -hmm. So... It was uh, it was interesting, but then they just uh, they just played absolutely out of his mind in terms of uh, playing different roles than we were used to seeing. And it, it maybe Penta were just overly prepared to deal with that blitz. And I I mean I can't imagine yeah. that was a big factor, but I thought that was pretty funny in terms of him just switching it up during that match and then coming out on top because of that. But Liquid played a whole bunch of uh, Lion too, which I yeah, think, and that was uh, the other thing, which I think uh, uh, a lot of team had problem to adapt to. They, they were playing well. Yeah, a lot of well. teams were not happy about the, no. the team that won was the team that played the Lions. The I can guarantee with a, a pick and ban, with a pick and ban now, he's gone yeah. when you play against uh, Liquid. He's gone. Yeah. Bye-bye, Lion. I mean, it's, it's interesting because, like, there's two kind of bans that I think a lot of people are kind of expecting. One is Lion, potentially, although that may not be super consistent, but everyone's expecting Mira to be like the number one band and i think it'll be funny because like everyone is preparing for that so i feel like it's a game of chicken and no one will do it what i think will happen is instead of banning mirror people will ban uh what protects the mirror so now that jaeger is not really protecting the mirror anymore they're probably going to ban bend it 
or and if you ban bandit then you can deal with it with hibana super easily um yeah or you know the other way around people you know you ban bandit so you're gonna ban hibana so it's harder to deal with the mirror and i think people will ban more like that or you know if instead of banning thermite you ban thatcher so you have less ways of um dealing with the batteries if the batteries are still in the game um on some maps it's kind of hard to you know if you have consulate you can deal with the garage batteries from piano window so it's not a big deal but on other maps with chalet if you want to deal with a small garage it's hard to take control of fireplace and just like chill on top of it and not get fired on <laughs> so you know banning thatcher might be some a better idea so you can easily ban the trick then there's yeah. the grenade but you know i think it's going to be more like that and just straight up banning mira straight up banning thermite because if you do that you need to also be comfortable without uh, with like not playing this operator which yeah, i don't think I is the case get... for a lot of people because the meta has been around mira for quite a while now yeah absolutely i i again i don't think it'll be a just constant insta ban and not only that but i feel like there's a certain element of chicken to it <laughs> hello <laughs> so there's a certain, certain element of chicken to it in that um like you know when it comes to maps people don't want to play for example some people will uh We'll wait to see, you know, if someone like let's say no one wants to play skyscraper, they don't want to waste a ban on it early, so they'll wait to see if the other team bans it first. Since there's only one ban each for defenders, it's a question of like, do you ban Mira if you want Mira gone, or do you hope that they ban Mira and you ban someone else? You know what I mean? You only get one defender ban, so you have to be kind of like, you know, d you really have to go for what you absolutely want gone the the most, yeah, and not count on the other team to ban it for you. But I feel like most of the bans are just going to be targeted against what the other team is known to do well. You know, like, for example, hey, ban Pulse against Canadian. You know, stuff like that where it's, you know, a big thing. And, and force them to have to have secondary strats that are they're not playing to their strengths is pretty much yeah. the only thing that you can really rely on being a good thing. So. It, it, in any case, I think the only real data we have about the pick and ban is from CCS, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah. I haven't taken any time to look at the stats about their ban and what was banned and why it was banned. But uh, I'm really looking forward to see what Pro League players uh, come up with for the ban. Yeah, I believe CGG is doing some stats now for CCS, so mm -hmm. maybe we can see some of those uh, stats. I'd actually like to take a peek at that before the season starts. Yeah. Um, just get some idea how they're yeah. being used. General and what idea. The results are. Uh -huh. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, anyways, that, that should be interesting. Um, moving on to the other stuff that we, we had happened during, uh, between this, uh, and last podcast, we also had the dream hack Austin, which we've mentioned a few times. Yeah. So that was interesting. I mean, it was a, a little bit of a different event. Obviously it was mm -hmm. at a uh, different kind of venue, wasn't dedicated to siege, bit of a smaller production, but it was still, you know, a decent production. We had some interesting changes in terms of how the format worked. So for example, we had the bring your own computer, which brought in four other teams, uh, you know, from people that just brought their own computer to compete. I mean, the one known team, obviously, that's a pro team is Beast Coast. So that was kind of just, they weren't able to get in uh, during the actual, like, sign-up phase. And so Sinister ended up instead, uh, which was which was weird. That was the only, was like, weird. I think that might have been the only Challenger League team that got in. Because Noble obviously signed up, and they're already in Pro League. So that was interesting. We had uh, the, also the, the difference in the format in terms of most of the matches were not casted. Uh, for a lot of the off stuff, uh, especially the quarterfinals and everything leading up to the quarterfinals. We had one quarterfinals, two semifinals, and the grand finals were all casted. But 
it is a little tricky just because so much stuff was uh, unfortunately not on stream. So there's oh, a lot yeah. of matches we missed. There, there, and there's a lot of good matches we miss. I mean, I would have yeah. loved to see uh, Vitality on a Thursday. They seem to perform way better than they did on stream on the second day. The second day was just a shit show. They were not playing up to what we expect from Vitality. I think there's no one surprised that EG got the most airtime out of anyone, the most stage time. I think they were on stage four times for yeah. it overall. It's always easy. Uh, interesting. Yeah, I did like that we got to see both their matches against Disrupt on stage, though, because that was, yeah. to me, one of the highlights of that event was Disrupt, which was like Disrupt partially winning. underage player. Yeah. And so, so to kind of recap for those who missed it, Disrupt came in through BYOC, and they were a team of like YouTubers and somewhat underage people. Sometimes, you know, some people know Bolo was the coach. People was been It around. was a very interesting. Yeah, it was a kind of a wild card, like interesting team. They were all like good players, but they were all also not a lot of pro league, you know, kind of pro league level experience. But they two owed EG in fantastic fashion because they just came in like just fragging like crazy. Super aggressive. And EG just did not seem to know how to play it just ranked battle like eg did not know how to fight and it absolutely showed that there is a a weakness in teams that are spending all their time scrimming against other pro league teams and challenge league teams and uh so it was i don't know it was interesting to see like that there is that weakness that uh that you have to deal with but that but that at the end of the day because eg fought them again and two of them it showed that yes at the end of the day strats come out ahead but there is opportunity for teams that are not as established to, pardon the pun, disrupt the meta and play differently than teams are expecting, much like with what I said about Nora Rengo. It's, it can really throw off a pro league team if you could play against the meta, especially when you're able to see a lot more of what they do when you come into it because they have all the visibility. Obviously, EG has been shown tons of times. You, you know kind of how they play. And also, yeah. they kind of came in and they, they said it during the, their interview at the desk after the first match that they, that they were playing kind of with like mostly kind of no strats. I mean, I'm sure they had some strats, but they weren't necessarily playing dependent on strats. It was all about adapting how EG were playing. Yeah. yeah, and chemistry, exactly. And just really good fraggy. They were, they were playing very, very nutty ranked frag matches. The, the thing with like this kind of strategy, which for them was very, very, very aggressive. Like, you, you see an engagement, you take it, and you win it. That was pretty much um, what they were doing. They were fighting every uh, single engagement they could. Um, the problem with that is it, it can throw off a team like EG at first, and they did. They won 2-0. The second time they played, EG knew. They were yeah. ready for this. It, it's, it, it becomes predictable at some point that they peak everything, so you know he's going to peak that, so you can be ready and you start pre-firing everything. You start to win gunfight. You place yourself to trade the kills, and that's pretty much what happened. EG, the second time they played uh, Disrupt, they, they just won 2-0. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was like, a, good, a good demonstration. It was Yeah, it was a good demonstration of uh, a pro team, just, you know, the experience. Yeah. Well, we also had some other interesting stuff in terms of, like, uh, Rogue playing with Ranger, which we kind of mentioned earlier. He showed up Ranger, decently. The best Coastline I mean, player on uh, Rogue. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was interesting. Unfortunately, we didn't get that match oh, streamed I would have loved where he it. dropped 11 frags. That yeah. was uh, that would have been nice. But nonetheless, I mean, he definitely... It wasn't like Kanto performance or maybe even shuttle level performance, no, no. but he did show up in terms of like not disrupting the chemistry and stuff like that, like we were talking about. Also, it must be interesting to have a coach uh, in there, like in the match, because normally a coach can't talk during the match. 
So having the ability for the coach to kind of uh, maybe try and calm down the team when they get tilted or be able to kind of call out, hey, let's pull back the aggression, stuff like that. Might, you know, must be interesting. And also I feel like that might be good for Ranger to give him a little more perspective because he's not someone that's played at that level before. So to have the perspective of like, as a coach, knowing and understanding better what it's like for them, I think might help him as a coach overall. And I know it's a minor thing, but just that extra bit of experience, I think is good for, for someone that is coming in. That was mostly just kind of a stats guy previous to coaching rogue. So yeah, I think that'll be good for rogue overall, despite the, the loss. Hopefully they'll, they'll be able to get back geo on the, on the land, maybe yeah. Paris, probably, hopefully. Cause I mean, they qualified, so they, they're going to Paris for sure. Paris and Rio, like that's not a visa issue for geo. Like yeah. it's just the U S I it's guess. It's just U S yeah. Unfortunately. Unlucky. But then, uh, the big surprise, of course, was Millennium winning. And Millennium performed pretty up. well at Atlantic City. They performed pretty well during the season. It showed up. So it, it's not the huge surprise that they made it that far. The huge surprise was that they won against DG at the end. But it was close. I mean, you got to it was a 2-1, uh, you know, two, two maps to one. And a 6-5 win at the end. It came down to the last round. So it was two rounds short of playing every single possible round over three maps. So it was definitely close like it should be. But Millennium definitely shown that what, they're, what they've changed in terms of how they're playing and their chemistry and stuff like that is really working for them as a team. And I think it's going to be really good for them going into this next season. It's, it's looking good. I mean, they definitely, I, I'm, they were, for me, easily top, top four, I guess, on EU. Uh, now, for sure, there's no doubt about it. Even uh, they, they're more, how can I put it? I mean, I thought Vitality was the best French team. Now I'm not sure anymore because they are yeah. very inconsistent when it comes to their play. I mean, if you look back on the last season, uh, their first game against DC was shit show. It was yeah. like For bad. both teams, though. It was bad. It was very bad. And then they showed up, yeah. but it was bad. So they have like amazing game, but they also have like games where they just shut down completely and that's what they yeah. need to work on and it doesn't seem like it's happening to millennium they've been like performing somewhat well the whole season they challenged penta uh they lost 2-1 but it was like a close game closer than i mean people would think so yeah and they're 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 looking good right now millennium yeah i mean speaking of dc as well uh digital chaos now just branded as chaos they had some interesting plays as well. Like, so, I mean, EU showed up in interesting ways. The, the, the highlight for me was just Chaos constantly running that Monty with a lion and just being super, super aggressive for renewals. Uh, it was just, uh, I, don't know, I don't know how to describe it. It was just very, very, very aggressive Monty play. And until it was countered uh, by Obey finally, like Obey just barely won that like, because they were really struggling to hit him and to stop him from pushing them. And finally, once they were able to start shutting Monty down, they finally won. And then unfortunately they lost the rematch that was off stream uh, against Obey, yeah. but uh, it, was, it was definitely interesting. And I mean, Chaos unfortunately didn't make it back to the main stage either, but, uh, but it was interesting to see that Monty kind of strats are not out. It reminded yeah, yeah. me of how, uh, how we used to see um, Zeronic play Monty, especially on Chalet. It was very just similar aggressive. to how that used to work. Yeah, just aggressive roam, clear, push, push onto the site, so clear it out. You're just a drone yourself, pretty much. Yeah, and it would really push roamers back and and force them scary. into a compromise position. It is scary because yeah. if you don't deal with a Monty, there's someone behind him, and if you try to deal with the one behind a Monty, Monty is just going to deal with you. 
not to mention if you pop a lion with it as well, which oh, yeah. they had sometimes done, like where are you going to run to that you're not going to be spotted at that point? And then that gives the opportunity for all the rest of your right. uh, flanking attackers to kind of take advantage of that. And, and absolutely they did. So it, uh, it was interesting. It was. And for NA, SSG and Obey, I mean, Obey, yeah. it's understandable. They, they didn't really show up. But I mean, they they're kind of you know structuring their team. It's, uh, yeah. Two new player. They got Skies and Adam. Uh, so yeah. obviously, it's not going to work well. as well uh, as a well-settled team like EG. But SSG is struggling right now. Yeah, especially with uh, as uh, Alex brings up the whole roster issue. So Noble, I think, performed decently. They they Noble, uh, yeah. they made it pretty far, and they definitely showed up. And then, unfortunately, now SSG not showing up, which I'm still surprised they were playing with Dave, to be honest. Maybe they just didn't have time to ramp someone else up because he was kind of seen as somewhat the problem. Finally, him getting dropped. And then I'm surprised at Trippin getting benched. Not sure if that was just a chemistry issue because I think he performs fairly well most of the time. Uh, but they, but for whatever reason, uh, SSG wanted to poach Rampy from Noble, right, you know, at DreamHack, mm -hmm. which was... I mean, that's unfortunate because Noble have been you know, really, like, just moving up in the world oh, they, very quickly. And they move, yeah, very fast. So to have Rampy poached like that is really sucky. I, I mean, yeah. I'm not sure what's going to end up happening because there is a, a unfortunate situations with roster locks and timing and dream hack, and I don't know what the end result will be. I think there were some miscommunications and all kinds of timing issues that resulted in, I think, at the the way it might be concluded is that Rampy cannot play till after midseason, till after the Paris major that's in three so months. They, yeah. So the question is, uh, will they just have to use Trippin until then? And then, yep. and, I mean, they, I believe they're bringing in shuttle. So that will be at least to replace yeah, Dave, if nothing else. I, th I think they are. It's shuttle and, um, they wanted Rampy. Then someone's going to have to sub in for Rampy, but in three months, a lot can happen. And that can like, it can decide at the end of three months, like, Hey, the, the guy who subbed for you, I mean, he's pretty good. He's doing well. We should have, might as well keep going with that guy, and Rampy can get fucked over just because some weird miscommunication and stuff happening at ESL, well, between ESL and the team, that can fuck up someone's career. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, I felt like maybe with more of the orgs involved, like teams would be doing a little bit less shuffling. And it would be a little more contract, but we're just seeing contract buyouts instead. Yeah. And I, I, it surprises me because it's uh, those buyouts are usually not cheap. And, and a lot of times teams will kind of be, well, put in a dicks about it, like in terms of saying, like, you want this player and we're just going to charge you an exorbitant amount of money. And, uh, and surprisingly, st still people are paying that. And so we're seeing a lot of people just getting bought out of teams and things like that. Um, I think at the end of the day, like, for example, CLG probably just decided, unfortunately, to just dump their team. And yeah. it was a case where maybe Skies and Laxing got out pretty easily. Yeah, but Laxing's are done. Uh, not done, but yeah. uh, they moved on. And uh, Shuttle moved on. I think Anglin is now playing for a Challenger League team. And yeah, the only one is Chapstick, who yeah, I don't know Chap. what he's going to do, but Chapstick is cursed. He is cursed, yeah. man. I swear to God, every team he's on, something shady happened, and he just get fucks over. Well, he's gone back and forth between some of the same teams, too. And, and so, I mean, going back to CLG maybe wasn't the best idea. They didn't treat him very well before from what I'd heard. But nonetheless, like, uh, seeing Skies and Laxing in person and seeing how they play and seeing all that, honestly, both of them are pretty happy. Like, 
I, I mean, they really needed this change after playing together for so long, stuff like that. Yeah. I feel like, I felt like sometimes they kind of fed into each other's negativity. Uh, I and so I think too. now they're a little bit happier. Like, I mean, there's, I'm sure they're still great friends and stuff like that, but maybe not having to play together was a good thing for them in the end. And, and they both performed fairly well in their team. I mean, Laxing absolutely, despite not having to show up, he felt as much for, uh, for his team on Beast Coast. Still absolutely did. And I think it was great for Beast Coast. And I think it will help him during the season because now, now that's yet another player with a lot of pro league experience to kind of help uh, buttress what Fox was bringing to the team. So I think Beast Coast will be in a much stronger position coming into this. Thanks Same with Obey, Skies and Adam. I think both Skies and Adam actually showed up quite a bit for Obey, on the, like more so than I would say the normal roster. I mean, unfortunately, uh, maybe someday we'll see Gurmy show up. Not sure when that's going to happen, but. Yeah, we'll see. It's, it's not the Gurmy we've seen the first time he went to Pro League. Yeah. My man's been up and down. Uh, he's definitely still a great player, but I, I feel like we just, I mean, I hate to say, but maybe Ping was really part of their early advantage and they have yet to maybe. completely adjust from that. And it, it was fitting their play style anyway. They were super aggressive, which they are not, not as aggressive yeah. as they were anyway. Well, hopefully they can kind of find. Uh, maybe a better way to play to their strengths and in, in something so that uh, it's not as much of an issue and it's not dependent so much on you guys. But Obey should be an interesting position now in that they're not going to have a team house. So the upside of that is, well, one, they'll all be playing with the same ping in terms of playing yeah. with each other and things like that. And that will be kind of more him able to get even more experience playing uh, at least in person, not necessarily a land type scenario necessarily unless they're doing like 2v2s or something, but... I think I think it'll be good for for Grammy and my man as well. So I'm looking forward to that. Plus, also with Snake as a coach now, that seems to be uh, doing pretty well. There's a lot of fragging power on that team. It's going to be interesting to see yeah. how they like manage it and just make it work as a team. Because there's a lot of individual skills now. Will it fit as a team? Hopefully, yes. Yeah, I mean it's interesting that uh, of all the NA teams, the only two not even changing the roster so far that we've seen is EG and Rogue. Which are like yeah. you know the generally the top two teams. So it's good to see the philosophy of so far. There's broke, still a week. Change it. <laughs> we got yeah, pushed back a week. A week. I, <laughs> there's still time. Yeah. We still are waiting on Penta's big fifth reveal as well. Although yeah. I think so far what everyone's seeing points to Kanto, uh, and I know there was issues with Kanto, you know, in terms of a buyout from Ents. So the yeah. big question mark still remains. You know, is there a buyout of Kanto to get him from Ents, or is it someone else and they're just teasing? You never know with all the trolls on going on on Twitter constantly. Yeah. So uh, it's Especially hard to say, but Penta. I do think it'll be interesting. What? Especially when it comes to Penta. I mean, oh, God, yeah. Fabian. Yeah, Fabian. Fabian. Yeah. So we'll see. I, I think it'll be interesting either way. I, I mean, I hope it's Kanto, just based off the performance we saw before. But that will be a big blow to Ents. And at that point, it makes me wonder, would Ents just drop out of Challenger League at that point? Just because they've lost so much strength. Because I don't think Chate is coming back anytime soon. He seems to be kind of done from the game from the competitive scene for the moment. I have a feeling he'll get hungry for it and want to come back, but at the moment he's, uh, he's pulling a King George on us, unfortunately. There's no way you can stay sane and just play rank all day. Yeah. There's no way. Especially right now. There's too many hackers. There's no way. Yeah. Especially when you, you, like you touched pro league and competitive play as a team, rank is just awful. Yeah. Well, as it stands right now, too, teams are going to have to work maybe twice as hard, especially the coaches, just because now we have the picket bands and we have mm -hmm. the sixth pick and we have the modified system for the, the map pool. 
So yes. just I'm just going to go over real quick the map will change just to clarify for everyone who's completely confused or unsure about how the map stuff, because we've gone over it multiple times in terms of like internally trying to figure out the best system and trying to make everyone happy, which of course not everyone's going to be happy. But ideally, I think we wanted a system that uh, supported people being able to at least somewhat prepare for maps, but at the same time also not have quote unquote Borgen, as people put it all the time. Oh, so the, uh, the, the, the kind of strategy they went with was Something people had asked for a bit was to reduce the map pool down. So we reduced it from nine to seven, which was a good thing because we dropped, I'd say arguably the worst maps. We dropped Cafe, Chalet, and Skyscraper. So that was all good things. I mean, they're not always the worst maps, but definitely those are the weakest maps that we have at the moment, I think. And it was good to see them go. Replace them with Villa, New Clubhouse. New Clubhouse. Yeah. And then we dropped, so the map pool now dropped down to seven. The way it works is interesting. So the first week... Uh, is in theory a random set of five maps, two of them banned. So basically every week, two maps are removed from the map pool. But the way it works after the first week is that whatever map you played is now out of the map pool. So basically the idea is to prevent teams from playing the same map two weeks in a row. Um, and there is one RNG element, unfortunately. I was, I was hoping they would be able to completely avoid RNG altogether. But if the two teams playing played the same map last week, then there's a random map also banned so that it still goes down to five. So essentially every week the map pool is only five maps, which means you, in a way you have to prepare for less maps, but also that means you can't completely rely on having just your favorite map. I think it was probably the best balance we could get at the moment in terms of making sure that we didn't constantly see repetitive plays, but that we didn't completely gimp the teams down to having to have like a, you know, a super large map pool because it's super hard to, to prepare for all this with the pick and bands and six to pick. And I mean, especially with the longer season right now, um, one match doesn't have the same uh, weight to it as before. I mean, before it's two game, you lose, you're done. Now, whatever happened, you're gonna play. Uh, is it ten games per half? It's the normal seven, so it's it's seven. Basically okay, doubled the normal season of seven. Seven. Weeks. So you're gonna play seven games for sure. You're good for well, pretty much six months. Good. It's yeah, uh, it's good. it's not perfect. It's better. Well, we have to keep in mind too. There's a there's always a chance. I mean, they probably won't do this, but with a DLC release mid season, there's always a chance if they did if they do more map reworks that we could see one of those cycled in or some other map pool changes uh, for mm -hmm. the the second half. Probably not, as but I don't I honestly don't know. But that's something that is a possibility, I suppose, because there will be a deal DLC release mid season, which means that the second half of the season will potentially be different meta than the first. Although you know metas take time to develop, so. Hard to say. And even if even if people don't want to play the new meta, obviously whatever the two it. new operators are could just be banned. Can ban so, it. Yeah. So it's good. They could kind of just block those out. So we'll see. But I do think we'll see at least a little more variance in terms of maps and, and stuff because we kind of have to. I mean, obviously you could still play border organ, border organ, border organ, because you only have to you only have to block the, the previous week's map. So there's absolutely yeah. a chance. But if you're alternating and you happen to get someone you, you played border last week and the other team played organ, then obviously you don't get that choice. So you're Gone. definitely going to have to have at least like three possible maps that are your strong suit. So I'm excited for it though. I think I'm it's excited too. really good. I'm excited too. It's going to be a good season. And I mean, we've been kind of waiting for that. The last season was just a buffer season. Just, uh, you know, to make us wait for this season. It's going to be, I hope so. Anyway, amazing. Yeah. For the new changes. Unfortunately, it's going to be refreshing. First week, not a good yeah. start. Not a good start, but I mean, in any case, it's going to be refreshing. That 
Refresh. Yeah, we know. Refreshing. Sponsored by. Oh, I wish. <laughs> I need a Rockstar sponsor because uh, Rockstar being out of Vegas, they don't really show up, up most places. I couldn't find. Get up Canadian about it. Yeah, no, not Monster. I want Rockstar sponsorship. Mm. Maybe, yeah, maybe yeah, Rogue can hook that up, right? They'll be out of Vegas. But uh, yeah, <laughs> that's another team that's moving to a team house. I think as soon as um, the issues with Geo are sorted out, I think they'll, they'll potentially all be moving there. Although I'm not entirely sure if the entire team is. I think Brian might not actually be interested in moving there. So I don't know. It's, it's complicated because moving to a team house requires it's, everyone yeah. to be kind of on board with that. I mean, it's not for everyone. Sometimes it, it can be good for team bonding and everything, but maybe your personality is not going to mesh with someone on a like, day-to-day so That's what will be interesting, right, to see, uh, to see people like Snake and Skies and stuff in terms of uh, team house for Obey. Yeah. Uh, not that, not that there's a lot of strong personality. Have, yeah, strong personalities. Yeah. yeah. So that'll be interesting. Either way, I, I think it might be good for the. I, I want to say it will be good, but uh, talking to Necrox, for example, about, you know, you know why is EG not doing a team house? Uh, his opinion was that team houses could be a little bit of a bad thing at the end of the day because spending all that time together can kind of uh, disrupt out. the team chemistry as well. So, yeah, and burn you out exactly. You don't get a lot of as much personal time, things like that. So we'll see. We'll wait and see. Obviously, team houses have been a thing for a while. Some of the, some of the um, other regions have team houses, and it's not uh, a brand new idea, but it would be interesting no. to see. I, I, I want to see some more real-world-style stuff, what? right, where we just get to see them like argue with each other, a bunch of fake drama, <laughs> crap like that. You just start a reality show, just put cameras everywhere. Actually, when I, was in, um, when I was in Atlantic City, I think it was, I you know, was watching TV in the hotel, like just trying to go to bed or whatever, ended up catching some e-league street fighter real world kind of style thing where they all were like in a, in a house together like competing against each other to decide who was going to some e-league thing it was awkward to watch to say at least a lot of fake drama very formulaic reality show so yeah not that good should be interesting. and i mean yeah. obviously if you go in a team out there needs to be like set rules and you know time for yourself and it, it's not easy it's fun. Yeah. It can be fun for like a month, but after like a while, it can get annoying and you need personal space and yeah. it can be hurting your team more than like helping at some point if it's not managed well. And yeah. I think EG made the decision to, you know, just stay home. It works well so far. Yeah. Stay home. Well, also, I think, I think BC is not and, willing to work. And I mean, they can boot camp game. anyway. Boot camping that I'm all yeah. in for. That's that they need it. But I mean, do you need to live with your teammate on a day-to-day like basis? I don't think I so. I mean, there people are already kind of do. Like for example, uh, talking to Easily um, in uh, Austin, he was saying like we're asking about his practice schedule, and he said he, he's playing basically Rainbow ten hours a day, six days a week. Mm-hmm. So it's it's already a lot to commit to being together virtually with your team as it is. It is. But for people that like or have have odd situations with their parents and live at home or are forced to work another job to be able to pay the rent or you know other situations like that i think it can be beneficial but it's like almost like a case-by-case person-by-person basis whether or not is a good thing or a bad thing for them especially if they have personalities that can be a little bit uh as we said strong can be a problem but it sounds like the way the obey houses is, is uh set up is they have apartments and they're like two two to an apartment oh some of them like roommates that's that was yeah. my understanding because i believe adam that's said cool. he stuck with snake which has been interesting but uh but fun so it, i don't know i mean i'm not sure how it all end up working out in terms of um whether or not their situation is a good setup or you know whether some other teams do it a different way um but overall i think experimenting with it will be good for the scene and it's good yeah. to see these players supported and 
on top of that as well, another thing uh, to mention is that revenue sharing thing coming up will also yes. be helped in terms of Ubisoft trying to help bootstrap this process of uh, players being able to play this more professionally, supporting the org, supporting the scene. It, well, uh, I mean, you know, the, the devs of Rainbow Six are big fan of Dota, and I think they're embracing the crowdfunding um, yeah, ways of doing the prize pool, and that's, like, the best way to do it, I think. Yeah. It's, it's, like, people can buy skins that are going to be cool and looking like the team they want to support, and in the same time, they're going to, like, help the price pool get bigger and promote the scene and all that stuff. It's amazing. It's good. I just I just wish like the skins because people are gonna use their skin and sometimes some skins are more like sneaky. I mean it's it's obviously not uniform. I think it's only gun skin from what we could see. But that yeah. it's not so bad. But at some point uniforms and fancy elite skins that are OP and uh, buy pay to win uh, Twitch drone skin are need yeah. ne there needs to be something to do about it. But I mean, yeah, but... for for now, let's just take it. It's good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Don't the charms are, are known quantity. The charms yeah, are right. like an easy thing. Oh yeah. But so, so what'll be interesting to me is like it, it, some of the issues you brought up. For example, like is it just going to be team colors? Will there be textures to it? Will there be designs or patterns? If it's just team colors, will some of those colors be better or worse than others? I mean, will that matter though? Because if you're not playing on at a gun. low level, maybe it's not a big deal. On a gun, it doesn't matter that much. Uh, at the end of the day, though, I, I do hope that uh, even with all this, they do um, implement some of the ideas we've talked about in terms of making uh, pro league settings so that uh, there's a HUD setting related to yeah. if you're playing in the in pro league, you don't see custom skins, which would be good, especially for alibi players, for example, that have no reason to run a custom skin at all yeah. because it, it's, a, it's actually a bad thing, which mm -hmm. is unfortunate for, I imagine a lot of people aren't going to buy alibi skins. But uh, that is that is one consideration. But also like, and then making sure though that the players can run their custom team skins without worrying about yeah. a disadvantage because the spectator view would we'll see the see custom them. skins. Yeah. And that that goes to like uh, Overwatch. And I like the way Overwatch uses team colors and uniforms and it makes for exciting things for fans. So I think if they go with the team color idea and go with the pro league HUD idea of making it so spectator sees it, but players don't have to, Overall, this will be a great thing for making it more esports-ish and, and taking advantage of some of the smart things that Dota and Overwatch are doing and just be good for the scene overall. So I am hopeful for that, though. But I do hope that the that we get uniform skins, for example, to, as well, because I think that could be good for team colors. But also that the gun skins are universal, but that also yeah. means a lot more work, potentially. Although they have to have had some kind of pretty good system for doing the universals for yeah. the uh, the single color. It's just if they have to do dual color, that might actually be a lot harder to have a valid pattern for all right. guns. Because uh, if you know anything about 3D modeling and the way you have to wrap skins around things, it's easy if it's just a single color, but it's way more complicated if you have to actually have uh, a, some kind of pattern of any kind, even if it's just dual color split, that makes sense with the way the gun wraps that texture. So it, that might be tricky. It might take a while to get right. And that's what I worry about, kind of that taking too long. But this is just a pilot program. So they'll figure it out over time, I hope. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's a great like step forward. Just look at the game back a year ago and look where it's like where it is today. Eve came a long way. Yeah. A long, long way. And the players are now treated better. It's not, you know, like uniform. Not everyone is having like salaries or team or representation or, you know... Um, constant source of income but slowly we're getting there and the number of people who 
can play the game professionally, growing, growing, and growing. Yeah, let's hope they can all kind of keep it together. It'd be nice to get some more fresh blood into the scene as we are still mostly with a lot of the same teams. Yeah. But uh, unfortunately, the way the Challenger League is set up, chances yeah. are we won't get a ton of fresh blood, but we will at least get one team auto put in from mm -hmm. Challenger League, but that won't be till, you know, next year. But, so yeah. like we literally won't see any. We won't see any fresh blood in pro league till next year, outside of possible midseason yeah. roster changes. Paris is in August, and you're right. So it's not going to be before 2019. That's crazy. Yeah, unfortunate, but also at the same time, you know, it's good to have some consistency for salaries. Yeah. And oh yeah. But NA especially needs some fresh blood. But if it's they, like, if uh, they, what happens, if they do that, they're going to have to work on Challenger League and spend some not money but time and energy to improve it and make it better and make it interesting because if you have a pro league team like just straight up like that going down back to challenger league and it's only a three-month like break like fuck like ants right now they are stuck in a three-month break before they can play again in the challenger league which is like has pretty much no prize pool whatsoever yeah, no coverage no done. no no prize pool no coverage no nothing and then they, they have to hope to get back in Pro League that way. And it's just, yeah. you know, Challenger League is the only way to feed into Pro League. It needs to be supported too. Because if you don't have a good basis for your Pro League, it's just going to be the same thing. And they're not going to get challenged by new ideas. It's just going to say the same uniform, you know, way of thinking the game and moving around. Unfortunately, I think at this point, Challenger League is mostly just an audition for yeah. players to get picked up potentially right. when, when a pro league team needs to replace someone. But uh, we do at least have a couple of qualifiers coming up that should be at least interesting to watch. So Challenger League does have its qualifiers. I don't remember the actual time when they start, but those will be uh, starting you know, at some point and trying to ramp up towards the uh, Paris Major sometime around. I, I imagine they'll wrap up sometime near that to actually start the season after Paris Major. And then also the, the Paris Major itself has its qualifiers. So yeah. all the teams, which was, unfortunately, this was a big surprise, I think, the most teams, but all the teams that attended Atlantic City are auto-qualified for the Paris Major, which, of course, will mean we will see some EU heaviness probably to Paris Major, mm -hmm. just like we did with, uh, you know, last invitational qualifiers, the way that worked. And that's an unfortunate circumstance of the way that EU's been winning lands and stuff like that. But uh, we, will, we will have that. Um, and so that'll be interesting to see because that ladder will start. It was supposed to start, I believe, on Tuesday, but now it's been pushed, I think, to Thursday, if I remember correctly. So it's definitely been pushed back because the, of the fact the that game is the, still uh, buggy. Yeah, exactly. So you don't want to you don't depend too much on that. We'll see if that really gets a lot of play and coverage. Um, I'm not sure what, if anything, any of us casters will be casting. Probably have more so people like Tamies and stuff like that doing community casting for it. So definitely, you know, follow Maybe. a lot of the community casters if you want to see some of those matches. Just because, honestly, it's a lot of work for us as casters to try and get the players wrangled and to actually show up, to get into the lobby, to not dodge. It's it's tricky, so we may or may not be able to cast some of those. We might kind of go in towards later or do stage two. But uh, basically, the top eight teams of the ladder will be moving on to stage two. So there's a lot of uh, open slots here to try and get in there. Yeah. But uh, as also, someone brought up in the uh, chat, we haven't covered I don't know yet. I think... I mean, I think I don't know probably already gets more attention than they deserve. I love the team, but they get so much attention for a team that technically hasn't been relevant for a little while. However, I do think uh, it is a nice thing that they're in pro league again. I think they will potentially be a top four team coming in. But with teams like Millennium and Vitality showing really strong along with Penta, stuff like that. So it's like, well, who's going to, because I feel like top four, at least the top three of the top four is like, you know, 
a Penta, Millennium, and Vitality. So it's like, well, who who doesn't get that fourth spot if I don't know? Yeah. Is hey, the the top four is very strong, and it's, it's sad for EU. EU doesn't seem to be able to get any good org aside from like the French and Penta, and about it. I mean, DC, okay, they got they got an org, but I mean. I don't know. I don't know. They they've been like shredding through Challenger League. I don't know why it's hard for them to yeah. like sign under an org. I don't know what is repulsive to the orgs to not decide to pick up an EU Which team. Which is weird for me too, because usually it's a language thing. Like they they, they don't want to be locked to a, a specific region in terms of organizing it. But I don't know is the only other yeah. you know multi language team that there is besides Penta. So it's it's even weirder that they're the team that struggles. I imagine they will probably find someone. We will hopefully see some kind of announcement, you know, before the season starts or when the season starts. But honestly, I haven't even necessarily heard rumors about them picking anyone getting. I mean, they they did an AMA so. yesterday, and I think they 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 go about it the right way. It's like we've been able to do it without an org, without support for a while. We can yeah. we can keep doing it. We're gonna go to DreamHack Valencia by our own means. Hopefully, we can like win some money by doing it, yeah. and you know they just want to get experience. Prove themselves in pro league, I guess, and hopefully they get picked up after that. Well, I mean, I don't know. Definitely, are are a team of all experienced, all good pro league players. Like, it's not a mixed team of any really challenger league ones or anything like that. Yeah, no. Leon was a sub before, but he was still experienced in playing pro league. And I think overall, like, it's an easy thing to say. Like, the only reason they're not in pro league, of course, is because of what happened with Digital Chaos guys, the Swedish team. Yeah, and so and the first game. Gonna, yeah, everyone's excited. The first about game. That. <laughs> I want to yeah. see it. I want it to be right Honestly, now, just because of that. I, I don't see digital chaos, or I'm sorry, chaos as they're now known, beating. I don't know. I feel like I don't know can definitely take it back to them, especially knowing how some of those guys. I mean, they know how each other play, and I think overall, uh, I don't know comes out on top of that big time. So it'll be a, a very exciting one. I, I hope to be casting so that too. one, but who knows which ones we'll be casting? I, I, I yeah. I, I, I'm gonna have to give the victory to I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, so that'll be a good good start for the uh, season. DC has made some questionable yeah. uh, strategy choices. Yeah, in many just, games they played this season, and I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's gonna I be thought, interesting just to see the beef. Just, just to be to see the beef between yeah. the two teams is gonna be great. But um, speaking of the orgs too, we did even have more big orgs coming in, even though I don't no. know wasn't picked up. We still had we had Nip uh, Ninjas in Pajamas, which was kind of in a way teased on the one graphic. That, about the, uh, yeah. the the revenue sharing program, mm -hmm. uh, they've not confirmed who they picked up, but I think everyone has an idea at this point. Uh, yeah. uh, and then Immortals also have stepped in. Immortals, and then yeah. I saw like um, the Vodafone team, Vodafone, Vodafone Giants yeah. or whatever. Pretty much picked. Uh, they picked up some more Spanish team. player, I think. That's that's what I've heard. I don't Spanish. know which team it is. And then also we've got uh, Death Row picked up Oplon. I'm not sure how big Death Row is a team because I'm not familiar with every word. No, me uh, neither. But, uh, but again, there's there's all these orgs stepping in. So it, again, it just makes it even weirder that I don't know wouldn't have one with all of these orgs jumping in. I mean, Latin America always seems to be the easy one. I don't know if that's just because they're cheaper or because the scene. Honestly, though, the scene like, is big. As an org, the scene, yeah, is a big deal. Like, because you're in it for exposure. And yeah. Latin America, not only has like the, you know, the game's really huge there, but they also have BR6 as well. Mm -hmm. And that's a good thing for them as well because that's additional exposure and all kinds of stuff. So. I guess I guess Movistar writers picked up. I don't know how. I don't know anything about them as an org, but there was a lot of pickups, and I imagine. Uh, I honestly, I'm not even sure what all the the orgs will be because I feel like we could even get more last minute changes, you know, going into the actual start of the season. 
So we'll see like come day one of each of the regions what the actual final orgs are. But we've even seen org pickups mid-season, like with Soon TM, remember, before they went to Obey. So definitely could happen. Definitely could get even more change-ups, especially with a six-month season. So six months, a season. lot of shake-up. Looking forward to it. Have I said I that I'm hyped about this season? I don't think you guys I know I yet. I don't think anyone knows that we're <laughs> excited about next season or not. Just as a, but, just as a short reminder, this season? Yeah. I feel like we spent three the last three months talking right. about the next six months. It's like every 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 time we talk about something, it's like, you know what? This is shit. Next season yeah. is gonna be great. And now we're in. Now we're there the next season. Yeah. It's we also have uh the two new ops too, we haven't even mentioned yet. Yeah. As well as some of the other buffs that they did, like the Echo yeah. buff, drop drop fix, and bulletproof cameras that we're yeah. all we've all talked about those before because those were in the TTS private previously, but those are in now. So those are exciting as well. We had an unfortunate glass buff, which I, I do yeah. hope they reverse um, in Ew. whatever patch they're going to do before the Pro League starts because I, th I think that was supposed to be part of something bigger. It's like, like why? His, his fire rate. What? Why? It's, yeah, it's yeah. like, why? Well, I think, I think he was supposed to also get a nerf along with it. I'm not sure, but I think, I think it was part of something bigger. I, I'm not sure why it went in without the other parts because that's it's really like, bad. Someone forgot. Glass is just a death machine. Someone forgot a memo. It's like. Yeah, Why? like when the drop shot fix went in the TTS, right? Yeah. Reminds me of that. It, that that's the so, thing about Ubisoft when they patch it. It's like you know, there's the, all these cool changes. You're like, this is exactly what I want, and what like everyone has been asking for. And then you know, you keep reading, and then there's like a couple lines which is like, why? Why yeah. is this a change you made? Why is the why? Was Glass's uh, buff even mentioned in the uh, in the patch notes? I would imagine probably not. But I, I don't remember. Uh, I don't remember. It's just, you know, why give him more fire rate? He's broken OP already. Yeah, it's... We're definitely going to see him very, very abused if that's not changed for week one. Uh, I guarantee that all the players are, are planning to do it. You don't want to deal yeah, with him. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, if, uh, to see if he gets banned a lot because of that. He might actually. He might be one of the top bans. And, you know, they, there's bulletproof cam now that you can use to, you know, spot him through the smoke. But it's not very efficient. Yeah. Well, also along with the evil eye as well. So Maestro, I think, will have some interesting strategies. Oh, it was mentioned in the patch addendum. Okay, thank you for that. Uh, so Maestro, though, will be interesting in terms of uh, what his utility brings. I think mm -hmm. um, it, it's something that I think will have some kind of... It won't be like, oh, here, we need to bring him on every site. It's not like no. Mirror or anything like that. But it definitely, I think, in playing around with it myself, there are some great uses of it, for example, to deny Habana. Yeah. In terms of hatches, there are some great uses of it to help deny pushes mm -hmm. and things like that. But there are definitely some quirks to it too, in terms of uh, you know having to sit on it like Echo, and also the fact that you can't rotate it uh, once you're dead. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like the position you leave it facing is the position it's stuck at yeah. if you're dead. So you actually have to be a little more conscious of how you face that camera because unlike other cameras you can't rotate it after death. So it turns into basically a bulletproof camera after death because you can't open exactly. it anymore as well. So it's like, it's a, it's, a camera, it's a gadget that transforms into another gadget basically after you die. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty much just a pimped uh, bulletproof cam. I don't think people will use the damage that much. Aside from like very it's specific points. Yeah. Aside from very specific point where uh, you can safely deny some Hibana pellets or thermite charge. Um, well, it, it, and I mean, destroying drones pretty much, but uh, you're not going to fire at an operator that much. It's well, where mostly it going to be really information. 
is uh you know situations where like uh, someone's planting in smoke and normally they'd live mm -hmm. through it because yeah. the smoke came out too late if you got that maestro cab there that could easily make sure the job gets finished though yeah. so situations oh, yeah. like that could be good but now i think thatcher is going to be so much more important now and unfortunately he's also at a, a weaker uh, strength in terms of he can't necessarily deal with stuff as effectively because he he just uh jams temporarily uh the bulletproof cameras the maestro cameras and uh alibi are all just temporary jams and i think mm -hmm. that's i mean i'm not sure that was necessarily the best uh in terms of like maybe one of the or two of those needed to be destruction rather than jamming so we'll see if that gets balance changed mid-season for example if, if that yeah. just turns out to not be uh great yeah but the the good thing about these two ops though is even though they're new it feels like they belong in the game i i don't feel like you know lion oh it's hopey i i don't want to play with it it's it's annoying it's like they're here they have cool ability um, it's not OP. It doesn't seem too strange to me. I maybe I'm biased because I like do workshop for Ubisoft, so I try some operators before, and maybe because I played the TTS a lot, that feeling is a little bit messed up because of that. But it it, it feels like they belong in the game, and yeah. I'm happy with them. They're not OP. They're not bad. They're gonna be useful. Some of them are gonna be niche peak sometimes. And it's going to be interesting to see what people come up with it. I, I feel like Alibi is one that's going to be uh, more of a ranked operator. Yeah. A pro league operator. Maybe not to the level of Frost or Cavera, but definitely uh, one that is much more powerful and ranked where people are just pre-firing stuff and mm -hmm. aren't playing as coordinated strats and things like yeah. that. I think it'll be really, really useful for that. And I, I, I find it interesting some of the quirks they chose to introduce with Alibi. Um, I mean, obviously, the, the fact that it's not using your attachments or skins is interesting, and that unfortunately, that runs counter to them trying to make money off of that operator. But, you know, obviously, it's good that they made that choice and didn't let making money interfere with their design decisions, which is a good sign. But it, the, the stuff that I found interesting was uh, the way you could throw it outside. It was an interesting choice, the fact that they allowed that and made it so that it, and it does interesting. It hides identity, too. And the fact that just even running Alibi at all mm -hmm. hides the identity of anyone jumping outside. Yeah. So, I mean, that was some interesting choices. I, I don't think those will be a huge influence on Pro League, but at the rank level and casual level, I do think this that operator could see a lot of play and be a good influence. Plus, also, the gun is pretty good. It's it's along the lines of the MPX, kind of, I would say, close to Valkyrie's gun, but it, it's it's fairly effective. The recoil is very controllable on it. But again, like the MPX, it doesn't do a huge amount of damage. So you kind of do want to land headshots when you can. You need to land it. Um, as opposed to Maestro's LMG, which is insane. And uh, the recoil is very controllable on it, especially if you're not running the ACOG. And first tap on it, hit fire is really accurate, which surprised me. Like it's honestly, it's way more accurate than it should be. Because I feel like you can, I feel like you can tap fire headshots with hit fire on that. It, it, yeah, it's good. <laughs> It's, good. it's also the LMG, just, you know, the hip fire. Yeah. Well, that's that's just... the first actual LMG, if I think about it, right, for, for a defender um, outside of Tachanka, which obviously doesn't have an actual portable LMG. So I think uh, that'll be interesting to see. I mean, personally, I feel like maybe they should just give Tachanka the ability to rip his LMG off of his stand, too, and go mobile with it. But anyway, I don't know. It'll be interesting to Tachanka. see if that becomes a, uh, a well-played operator and whether or not people use the shotgun or the LMG. Because, yeah. I don't know, I mean, it's he, he plays in some ways so similar to Echo 
which will be interesting because Echo yeah. got a buff. So it's it like, it are people going to be trying to choose between him and Echo? Or are people just going to play both? Because now you get the, it's not just that Echo gets the secondary drone. It's that everyone can look through and spot from the secondary drone. And because that means a camouflaged Valkyrie to an extent. Pretty much, yeah. And I mean, Echo also has the choice between shotgun and secondary SMG, which um, Maestro doesn't have. So you can keep the yeah. shotgun, do some destruction, and, you know, keep being good at mid range engagement with uh, the Bearing okay. 9. You also get like shotgun level uh, on, on the two new ups, like shotgun level pistols. Yeah. Interesting. interesting. It, 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 yeah. They don't make like big destruction. So it's, it, it, you need to have very like small setup if you want to do it with shot, these shotguns, but to like open hatch and all that stuff, it's fairly yeah. good. Um, it's interesting. I think people will play the shotgun just because they want to make line of sight, but uh, it's hard to replace like smoke or uh, Echo's shotgun to the smaller shotgun if you have a long setup to do. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be interesting though. Overall, I think there definitely will be a lot of changes just from the two operators alone and the changes to Echo. Um, it's it's definitely a case where Echo especially is going to be played more for sure. Like that secondary drone, like even though you can spot with it and people are like, oh my God, you, people could spot with my drone and get it killed now. That's the one drone that's less likely to be killed if people spot with it because, yeah. well, it's basically invisible for the most part. So what are people going to do? They're just going to have to like try and thatcher it, I guess, and hope that they catch it. It's just, it will be really good because now you can run a, a defensive comp where you've got Valkyrie, Maestro, Echo, and then the two other defenders bring bulletproof cameras. Like, and just, you walk into the building, they know where you're at at all times. <laughs> they they do. almost don't even need call outs at that point because everyone can just turtle in sight and know where everyone's at with like one roamer. And as someone, uh, someone brought out, uh, uh, Filthy Scum said in the, the chat, will we see Vertical play Alibi? Like the Bulldog cap? I, I definitely think so. I think if anyone's going to play Alibi, it's, is vertical. He seems like the kind of guy who would bring that out and yeah. really, really do well with it. I think uh, the way he plays suits that operator. So that'll definitely be a potential choice for him. Between that, uh, Vigil and Cavera, he's definitely going to have a lot of roam play ahead of him. And I mean, he's been doing good. At some point, vertical, you, I don't want to say struggling because it's not the right word, but in scrims, it was insane. He was like f taking engagement and just shredding through people, but then he's he was not... getting shy in game. But now, now he's not shy anymore. He's just yeah. shredding. And that's He'll good to see. To look out that's for good to see, yeah. Mm -hmm. he, yeah. He's up there in the fragging power. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I actually, that is one team that might not have any roster shuffles as well as Mouse. Uh, I feel like they right. probably have one that I don't necessarily know about yet, though. I didn't follow every shuffle. Uh, it's too yeah. much. Too much yeah, exactly. I, I try and kind of semi-prepare. Obviously, I need to uh, I need to know NAs as much as possible right yeah. before the season, you know, right before the the broadcast at least. But hey, I got an extra week now. You do. <laughs> so, you do. Yeah, but uh, we'll see what ends up happening with SSG because that's the big question mark one. Uh, but yeah, overall, a lot of stuff, a lot we've uh, talked about, covered. Uh, lots more to go. I don't know if it's necessarily worth us doing an episode next Sunday as again, we have the week delay, but if enough yeah. happens and there's enough to talk about, then we'll be back next Sunday. Crazy. Uh, and a shuffle. Not, we'll definitely be back. Right. <laughs> if not, we'll definitely be back the week after that, as that'll be, you know, post season one or I mean, week one, uh, week of the, one. Yeah. Of Pro League. And especially now yeah. that every single team plays every single play day. That's yeah. just, that's good. That's fun. That's content. Yeah. That's um, content. We didn't, we didn't cover Villa or clubhouse, but I think, 
the bottom line with both those is they're both fantastic maps. They're both going to be really good. New Clubhouse is so good. And uh, Cash is now absolutely going to be thinking might actually become the primary bomb site now. Because uh, Cash with that constructor connection room, it's it's nuts. And uh, it's all about it's all about trash wall. So hopefully uh, those I think, two will get played a lot. But I think Clubhouse, the two uh, sites... Uh, second floor, so cash room and master bedroom are very, very good right now. Yeah, I think we're gonna see them more, maybe more than uh, probably more than bar, and yeah, I think more than basement, even. I think bar will still actually be well, it might actually end up being maybe the least played bar or bedroom because uh, so. basement and, and cash are still very strong. Yeah, we did talk about rampy earlier in terms of uh, you know, just the unfortunate situation. We still don't know what the for sure end result of that will be, but uh. We obviously will know by play day one. So I mean, there's a lot of like work. information missing to really yeah. profoundly talk about it. We we have claims from you know SSG saying you know ESL said this and this yeah. and that. Uh, obviously, I tend to believe them because I have had some pretty bad experience with ESL before. But it's easy to just scream something and without any proof yeah. or anything. Honestly, so. knowing both sides, I can say that it was definitely a lot of miscommunications and things Probably, going yeah. on, and I don't. I don't know how it'll be resolved because there's two sides to the story that are different and whatnot. Hopefully, Obviously, I can't speak on behalf of BSL as well. So. Hopefully, he's going to be able to play soon. Yeah, we'll Hopefully. see. If not midseason, so yeah, eh, we might as well wrap it up there. Though that was a little bit of a, a longer episode just because we had so much to talk about. But we look forward to seeing you guys next episode. Make sure to tune in. We're also talking about trying to do some things to potentially uh, step up the show a little bit. Um, we're still working on those, so. Who knows, might be a little bit different next time, but we're working on it. See what we can do to try and make this a, a good show and continue it, obviously, every week throughout the season. Uh, I, mean, the season yeah. I mean, now that we have pretty much six-month guaranteed of, like, game, uh, there's probably going to break be breaks between uh, the last game of the season and, let's say, the Paris Major. And then when the Paris Major stops to the first game of the second half of yeah. the season. But... I mean, we're going to try to follow the season as they go and as they give us content to actually talk about it. Yeah, got six months of crap to say. This month. Although there may be some a little bit of lulls uh, before and after the Paris thing, depending on how that goes down. So just keep that in mind. But anyways, I uh, appreciate all the people that were first time tuning in. Shevla, uh, especially in the Saru. Uh, a couple new people. Yeah. All, all you guys tuning in, awesome to have you guys here for the live show. I know uh, live podcasts aren't necessarily that much of a thing on Twitch, so your support is appreciated. And uh, let other people know that might want to come in and chat. We do read uh, your questions and try and answer them. If, if not directly, then indirectly. Um, so make sure to catch the beginning next time. We, we, ha we have been doing it at the same time every time. There is a possibility we could move the time. So make sure to you know follow CGG and whatnot so you'll know if uh, the time does get changed or moved or make any other changes um, as we go on throughout the season. But uh, we really appreciate everyone tuning in and uh, it's good to be back, right, Helby? Uh, yeah, for sure. It's going to be back. I'm not going away. Nah, nah. Nope. Pro League is not going nope. away. I'm not going away. I'm just going to stay around. Nope. And I, th I mean, <laughs> you're, you're probably going to stay around too as a caster, I guess. Yeah. I uh, guess. Yeah. I'm assuming. I guess. <laughs> I, I'm assuming too. <laughs> I'm taking a wild guess yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> All right, anyway. We'll catch you guys later. See you.